0: I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz
1: begin. Hey, y'all, what's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to this episode, uh, episode two of um, the show Hollywood, which, of course, is streamed on Netflix. The title of this show is called Hooray for Hollywood Part 2. I have my boys Gunner and Rob. Uh, on the panel with me and we are going to be breaking down for you episode two of this amazing show by Ryan Murphy so let's go ahead and get into our overall thoughts we do have all of our segments on today's show a little bit of news and gossip or at least just a drop of news and a drop of gossip and of course a special segment but first Gunnar what did you think about episode two
0: guys I I'm loving this this season. I'm loving this whole series. I wish it was a mini series. I wish this was a full fledged series. I'm just so excited to break it down and get into these new characters and relationships. It's going to be great. Absolutely. What about you, Rob?
2: Yes, I'm loving how the puzzle pieces are starting to move together. um, and We're starting to get a clear picture of how Hollywood really works. Mm. Uh, It's who you know. It's not your talent. It's who you know. It's also right place, right time. And it's also like we said in episode one, about a changing culture and being able to adapt and change in that culture.
1: Absolutely, be able to change in real time. So let's just go ahead and get into the cliffhanger. You know, we were left with a cliffhanger at the end of episode one. Episode two, we start with Jack being bailed out of jail, even before the credits run. Um, and Ernie is the one that comes to his rescue. And he even makes, one of the things about that entire scene that kind of stood out to me Um, You know, Jack was so concerned about his reputation. He's like, I'm trying, I'm here to be an actor. I can't have this record. And Ernie's like, listen, dude, everyone in Hollywood kind of has a record. He's like, do you remember Frank Sinatra? Well, you know, you, you present this wholesome image, but really they're rotten to the core, meaning they have like a really kind of seedy past. Um, I think that is probably one of the most accurate things stated in this whole piece I I mean, people are going to throw their tomatoes at me because I liken it unto church, but that's a whole other conversation. What did y'all think about uh, what was said in that? Gunnar, what did you think
0: about that? I, I mean, it's like everything. Like, everyone tries to be so wholesome, especially in Hollywood. You try, I feel like that's always, that's a bit of a trope that like can be overplayed in like Hollywood-based like series, like when they're an actor and trying to do the right thing, not be shady, but like everyone makes mistakes. Even if you intentionally screw someone over, you intentionally... Make a bad choice, like everybody does. It's what the news and gossip columns like rave for. It's what keeps them alive. Like they have to have this kind of information going. And nobody's perfect.
1: Yeah, and and robbing the age of, you know, John the John mayors of the world, and you know the little Waynes and everybody else in TMZ and the Shade Room and all of these places. Is anybody in Hollywood even trying to live up to a wholesome image? Aren't the days of you know Whitney you know the pretend good girl like aren't those days over aren't we full-fledged you know twerk and smoke weed and just like live your life however you want to live it
2: i agree with you a thousand percent um i used to work for tmz and that's definitely that's that's definitely you know the culture now it's just like hey do what you want to do whatever's risque what's not risque who cares you know it makes a good story it makes for good entertainment um, but as far as like Ernie and Jackie's conversation when they got out of, when uh, Ernie bells Jackie out of jail, he's saying, you know, Frank Sinatra has a record, you know, people mess up. And that still rings to this true to this day. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. has been to jail more than some rappers that we know. Uh, <laughs> and he's Iron Man. You know, yeah. no, for real. Like, I remember seeing him go to jail. Um, but yeah, it's all about, you know, once again, it's, an, it's a changing culture. And you getting in trouble is a change in your life. It's how you move forward with that. That that tells the greater story, you know.
1: Yeah, and, and absolutely. And at the beginning of this episode, we again um, we know Jack is still doing the doing the business at the gas station. Um, Avis, who is the, the his very first client, she then enlists his services. Not necessarily, Well, she did enlist them for sex, also. But the, on the front end of the deal, he was to uh, escort her to. Um, an auction and basically she let it be known like you know you scratch my back I scratch yours he was saying that he had an audition and a table read the next day and she was like yo my husband runs this whole studio so as long as you take care of me and you take care of me good I got you uh tomorrow and he went ahead and gave her the business so you know <laughs> I, I, I think and, and he looks like you know he was focused in on those Oscars so he kept his eyes on the prize, like literally, literally. Kept his eye on the prize. Um, just real quick before I get deeper into this episode, because I feel like thoughts may change over the course of this show. Do you think you could ever, at any point, if somebody said, hey, I can guarantee you a a role in a movie, Oscar-winning movie, could you focus on the prize like Jack and make it happen? What do you think, Gunner? Could you ever?
0: that This episode gave me that mindset to respect it. I think I what's a nice way of saying like I guess lack the goal can't fall through with it. I don't think I have that kind of attitude, but I know I say it, I know I try to embody that as much as possible. And I also I respect it. Like as much as some people see like, oh it's like it's cheating or it's like conniving, but I'm like you're making relations networking in an essence of it all. Business. Yeah. And I respect that. And so and he was look at the trophies the whole time. So it's fine. They didn't really how? It's
1: fine. It's fine. I mean,
0: listen, in the world of the Cardi B's of the world,
1: sometimes you have to strip and hit that pole and do what you got to do as long as you have a clear in and a clear out.
2: Rob, what you think? Um, <laughs> The jury's still out? You probably have to ask me this question after I had a drink or two. <laughs> okay, cool. Rob is like, mm, nah, I, I think I would, I have integrity. I'm an artiste, you yes. know? Yes. Come drinking, on. Rob is like, Ooh. okay, is Holly Berry giving me the deal because I, right. I would, I would do whatever. Wait, that was on the table. Okay, wait, now I got, I got. To <laughs> See, because I didn't tell you who was making the offer. I just said <laughs> somebody made the offer. Um, no, but I think also, if we're on so- that situation, I think if we're really, really hungry, you know, if you're really hungry and you got to get somewhere, who knows what the what a human will do. No
1: listen like we said in episode one his back was against the wall you know he has a pregnant wife they're having unexpectedly they're having twins they were broke she was the only one working at some point you have to step up to the plate you know uh I think a lot of us have the freedom because well, I can't speak for y'all but I'm single and so it's like I don't have the pressures of a family like I got to provide for this family so yeah I have I, I can still you know, I can still say no to a lot of things just because, you know, <laughs> my back's not against the wall like that. So we did meet some more characters uh, in this episode. We got a little bit more familiar with Camille, who's a, an aspiring actress. She's actually the only, I guess, Black actress that has a contract with Ace uh, Studios. And then we also met um, Raymond Ainsley, and he is a screenwriter. Um, and he's actually dating Camille. Um they're like an interracial couple, which back in the 40s was completely, you know, scandalous and taboo and all of that. Uh, and, and, and so Raymond wants to make a, a film um, with an Asian lead. And basically, all of Hollywood is telling him no. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts on, because this is once again, Ryan Murphy showing the discrimination, both through Camille's storyline and through this storyline. Um, of Roy trying to make this film with this Asian lead. what what are you thinking about the way that Ryan is approaching discrimination? as I alluded to in the first episode, uh, Rob, what do you think
2: about that? Well, I, I, once again I, I, we're getting broad strokes, but um, the, and we're getting broad strokes, but this time we got a little bit of advancement uh, on these strokes and the reason why is because we did it through the eyes of a character who' was trying to make a movie sport um, with a specific type of person on screen to reach across multiple audiences to try to change the culture. And that person, you know, who's trying to get the movie made is half Asian. So he has a little bit more skin in the game and we see him striving for that. We we get that innocent, you know, the striving with a good cause before we get to the Hollywood portion of it, you know, just to the business. And I think uh, with Ryan Murphy, I think Ryan Murphy here is showing a little bit of probably what, he went through himself most, you know, with this, because when you got to think about it years ago, when he did Nip Tuck, Nip Tuck Mm -hmm. was a different type of show, but it was also with straight, you know, predominantly straight characters. And then you get to his later work and you start to see every, all kinds of representation uh, across the spectrum. And I think that's, I think that's what we're showing here. You know, I think that might be him saying, Hey, to us, like, hey, I had to make these kinds of movies so I can make these kinds of movies and TV shows now.
0: Yeah, and, and uh Gunnar, what do you think about that topic? I think it was very important of using um Darren Chris's story, like personal story being a mixed person and being passing. I think that showed a very important portion of it as well, especially being someone who I'm most like both being both white and Hispanic, but obviously passing and very easily showing. And both of us, in that sense that trying to be that reputation, be a part of that community, but also getting by so easily because no one recognizes it. And that issue that comes even within that identification, the sense of like I, you have it so much easier. You don't look like me. You don't have to look apart. Have to like I don't need to look Asian. I am, and you can get by as playing any role you want. And then also even in the sense of like. David doing a storyline where, like, he was playing an Asian character. He can just be saying it and everyone's fine with it because he doesn't actually look it. And that is showing the other aspect of Hollywood and what people care about was it, what it looks like.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that you just hit the nail on the head for me, which is even within, and I hate using the word minority because it's such a, to me, a negative word, but even within the brown and black um, communities, there's still a level of, you know, segregation and and separate especially if you're mixed if you don't look like whatever that that demographic is so if you don't look black or people have to try to you know I hear all the time what are you are you mixed like yeah so I love how even within tackling just the normal black and white issues he's even tackling the mixed issue as well um so then we look at uh, Anna Mae Wong who is this actress that that uh, I almost called him Ryan. <laughs> that Raymond wants to, you know, put as the lead in in the uh, in the Asian film that he's making. And they talk about how she is the one person in Hollywood who she was like the one Asian movie star who was cast or who they were did a, a read for a, a a film, and she was perfect. The screen test, I believe, is what they called it, and she was the best one, hands down, without question. But she got passed up for the role. And when I saw that story, I think of almost every ethnic person in Hollywood probably has that story. I'm sure Taraji has a million stories like that. I'm sure Vivica and, and Gabrielle Union and all of these women, Viola Davis, and you pick someone, America Ferrer, like they all have stories like that. Do you think, obviously, I think I know the answer to this. One, have you guys experienced this? And do you think that it's still that prevalent today in Hollywood? with that, that that whole story, uh, what do you think rob
2: yeah i i I think that will be prevalent for a long time because there's always going to be like a uh, a role you know that is for a certain certain person, and then when the minority is cast it seems like it's done with like some kind of justification like we needed a person you know to fit this type of demographic versus mm-hmm. it being organic you know um and I think I think there's been tons of progress since since the time. Absolutely. Um yeah. and I think it can only get better but my my only hope is that it doesn't go to the point where we're starting to get people for cliché, you know, right. just to fill yeah. in a block, you know. And that that's that's what we don't want.
1: It should always be talent first. And I yeah. could feel her pain when she the scene where they were at the Oscars and she had to sit there and watch the other person who she knows that she was better than win an award for a role she should have got I felt her pain uh,
0: Gunner, what did you take away from that scene it's it's how you said like Gabrielle yeah, Union I like I think she has an interview where that's happened to her and like you could probably name any woman of color who probably has had that issue even if they don't know it and that's the other hard part is that like you I kind of like I want to almost say like maybe they don't realize what they're doing like I know that's definitely probably most of those stories they for sure know exactly what they're doing they know like oh you're tell with camille how she hears from the producers like i think i'd be great for this role so, oh no honey that's a white lady role like you're not i'm like probably so many people actually heard that to the faces and it's just awful to know that and i like how the, the diversification is coming and kind of how you i feel like at times they're there and it's like important and they're showcasing and i'm like okay but are they do they match the role are they talented enough for the role And that's but then we have other stories like uh uh, Hallie, uh, Hallie, and Chloe, who are being casted for the Little Mermaid, the Black Little yeah. Mermaid, and having the first one that and not true representation. Just like this role can be played by anyone; it's just a matter of talent. She has the acting, singing talent, so let's show the representation and diversification.
2: And with yeah. Miss Wong, with Miss Wong, her role like it was an Asian character, you Literally. know, right. yeah. and they, they yeah, yeah, they flat out yeah. like whitewashed. It, it, it just and, uh, it's it's sad to to see her, you know, watch that watch mm-hmm. uh, a white person. Play an Asian role and get an Oscar for it. While you watch from a box, you know you watch them get that award. That had to hurt.
0: Absolutely, Gunner. Were you about to say something? Did you want to add to uh, that before you? We- that exactly because it reminds me of in Orange is the New Black, and the same kind of storyline happens um, at a school where it's predominantly white, and they do um, show girls, and the whole cast is white, <laughs> and it's just like it's just not even remotely. Like, that's not the story that is for an all-white cast. It's for like women of color and black women, that's their story and their cast. it's not the same thing. And it's not gonna be the same storyline.
1: Well, you know what? What was interesting to me was after the, uh, I guess he was a studio head, studio exec kind of gave that story. Then Raymond was like, oh, I felt so bad for her and all of this. And he was like, well, why? The movie was a hit. And they had this whole conversation and this discussion on what makes a picture a hit. It was like, if we had casted this woman of color as the lead, it would have never worked. It would have flopped and it wouldn't have been a hit and and his whole thought was well how do you know cuz you didn't you didn't cast him to find out so is that is that how we determine like what is your definition of a hit movie is a hit movie superb acting that does get the accolades and that does get you know the box office numbers or is a hit movie just a great story that's told with a beginning middle and end what do you think rob
2: yes i i i agree that a story is told with a great middle beginning and end but at the same time, there is a business aspect and in no way, shape or form, am I playing judges, uh, devil's advocate. Um, but you, you can see it. You, you can see who is putting butts in the seats. Um, and even uh, Ridley Scott, you know, when he, when he made Exodus, uh, the whole, the, you know, the whole story with the, um, where he had uh, a story set in the, predominantly in the Middle East and he had a bunch of like white actors. And when people Mm. came to him about it, he he said a very real thing. He said, "Who is going to finance this movie with Muhammad such and such and so on and so forth? Who would help finance it?" Yeah, he had a point. So he had to get Christian Bale and Joel Edgerton just to sell.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I think that happens a lot too. There, you know. A lot of times they might cast someone, but we need a bigger name. Yes. In this. I know it happens in music, uh, which is, I come from the world of radio. And so I know that they will have certain people on a song but then just to get the, the the ears and the streams, oh, we're going to take this rapper off and we're going to throw in mm-hmm. you know, somebody with a bigger name just because we know they have like 18 million followers on Instagram or whatever the case may be. So we fast forward in this episode and Ellen Kincaid, she gets Jack a contract. She sees his screen test. She says, "It's you know, they all agree it's one of the worst. He's not even <laughs> facing the camera most of the time. You know, he's yelling oh. at the actors. She's scared to death. I mean, it was really... It was comical to us, but I can only imagine how painful it would have been to actually be oh my gosh on set or on stage with him if he's screaming at you. But my question is, where did Ellen Kincaid come from? Like why was she so dead set on going to bat? I guess that's what I missed, and I 'm missing that link. So how does she fit into this story? Somebody fill that piece in for me?
2: Well remember, remember after, after they leave uh, uh, later on in the episode, you see Archie. Um, Archie, Jackie, and Raymond together, right? And they're talking the with Kincaid and uh, his John. Well, his mm-hmm. uh, Jackie's no, Jackie's John, which mm-hmm. is his customer. Um, he sees her together with those. So that she just basically made the call and said, "Hey, oh, get the guy.
0: yeah, oh yeah." My that's God. why I all three just...
2: of them are together at the end.
0: I, oh wow, I, I was totally, I was totally over with the mindset like, you know, she sees talent, she sees it, like she just like knows he's a good actor it's like that it's the like miracle dream i was like oh that was the phone call she made that's who she called so that jack would got gotcha. because like, yeah. I, uh, I didn't get yeah, that connection that, either yeah i was just thinking it was a matter of just like oh she just sees it in him She like you just know when you know and like it's you can't explain sometimes i was like oh that's what it was and, and, and so also they talk so uh, thanks for
1: clearing that up, because you see, I just yeah. I had completely missed that. <laughs> so another thing that I thought was pretty dope was when they were giving the, we uh, had the group of ladies in a room, and they were teaching you how to speak and not hit words. They teach this a lot in journalism. If you do broadcast journalism, they teach mm-hmm. you, you know, not to say police, and you say police. Like, there's certain ways that you enunciate words, and so, of course, I appreciated it. But mm-hmm. um, when they were talking in there, they called it the mid-Atlantic um, uh, accent. I actually had never heard, I haven't, I didn't know of it as mid-Atlantic. Had you guys heard of that before?
0: I had. I've heard the, the word mid-Atlantic, but never as an accent or really, like, thought anything of it, nor did I ever mm. think about, oh, yeah, nobody lives in the mid-Atlantic. That's not a thing. <laughs> right. Like, right. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah, mid-Atlantic right. is almost bougie. It's almost bougie English. Whitney, right, right below bougie.
0: Right. I.
1: So I... As an obsessive person of, of, of uh, entertainment, I used to l- love watching interviews and watching little things. And so I noticed back in the day, Whitney went from, and as you know, I'm gonna talk, they're always gonna be, Whitney <laughs> user, but, Whitney, but Whitney used to, um, she started speaking regular. And then at one point, there was like this slight accent. And I'm like, wait, where did she pick up this like British accent? And now, however many years later, I'm like, oh, maybe she was trying to do this mid-Atlantic thing. It's a cross between British and American with a little something mixed in. So anyway, I just thought that was a little point of reference I wanted to take for Whitney. So anyway, Jack gets caught uh, cheating. His wife kind of catches him. Uh, He comes in late um, yet again, and she does the smell test. And for those of you that don't know what the smell test is, you have to watch the episode and figure it out. But she does the smell test, and she catches him right in the midst of, you know, finishing a job and then she begins to have these severe I'm going to call them cramps they didn't really call them anything on the episode but something that endangers their lives of the babies um what are what was your thought when that was going on what was going through your mind gunner when he walked in the door and he's in the bathroom and he's showering and he turns the corner and boom there's his wife what was going through your mind
0: at first, I mean, I felt for it just like Jack did. I was thinking like, oh, it's hormones. It's the part of the pregnancy. Like women sometimes go through that. They get like excessive like urges, whatever. Like, all right, cool. Like, oh, well, this will be good. Let's see him like recover. And then have to deal with the whole like, you don't think I'm attracted, so I'm pregnant. Like that kind of storyline. And I said, oh, snap. He got her. I was like, okay, yeah, I oh, damn. No. And then when it happened, I said, oh, please don't lose these children. Please don't lose these children right now. And, and then when they didn't, I thought, I thought it was going to be a bit more of like a plot point that he's going to have to like fight between it and either confess what's going on or be like, I'm not cheating on you. I just can't explain why. So I was a little let down there, but I'm going to be very interested to see where this goes. If it's going to be a continuous thing, if he, she kicks him out, what's going to be happening. Yeah.
1: And, and And like we brought up in the last episode, he has to
0: provide for his
1: family. And this, I mean, this is the only work, you know, Hollywood can be a tricky place. Sometimes you can't even get, just a little job on the corner so Mm -hmm. you got to do what you got to do to make these ends meet he has twins on the way rob how are you feeling when you saw him come around the corner and the wife was right there especially as a writer what was going through your mind
2: (laughs) i i had a feeling she was going to be waiting around the corner for him um because i with this with this series so far each episode has been really good about staying in the era and era of like the 40s and 50s and also with the filmmaking style and the type of movies, you know, that uh, influenced people in those times. And one common trait you would see is in a movie, some guy sneaking back in or a wife sneaking back in, the husband or the wife is sitting there waiting under a light, you know, the one overhead lamp, you know, that kind of deal. Um, But when when the whole pains with the babies came, that kind of worried me because I was like, okay, wow this is going to suck for him because all of this stuff he's been doing is in vain. You know, he did all these things. He changed himself to be a provider, you know, did dark things. And now he's about to lose the thing that he cared about the most. Um, But once again, we see that she doesn't lose them just yet. And a doctor having a real talk with him, like, Hey, you know, if you're out there screwing around, stop screwing around, keep your wife happy. You know, if you wanted to have the children
1: how am I going to do that if I got to provide for my family? And speaking of that, um, I want to real quick get into um, the whole storyline with uh, Archie and Roy slash rock, um, which anyway, it's a great storyline. And, and, and so Roy comes back to the gas station. He can't get enough of Archie. They go and they have their moments and, Archie kind of clarifies they are not boyfriends, they're not dating, they're not anything because they can't even do the things that boyfriends do, which is be seen together, which is, you know, hold hands, which is just be their companions for each other. Um, And then I'm kind of tying two things in together for time. And then also uh, Roy has a meeting with an agent. The agent basically loves him, his look but wants to change everything about him, which is a common thread here in Hollywood. I feel like the moment you get here, they want, they being some people, want to change everything about you from your name to your hair to everything. Um, what was your thoughts with all of that? Gunner, you can go first on this one.
0: I, I love this relationship. I don't know why. I've never clicked with the relationship so fast. And like, because I feel like it was, like I just, you long for like the kind of like, when they're both because they're kind of both each other's like side piece in a sense and it's not a relationship obviously. And I really respect the maturity and the bit of like realism that comes in Archie's mind that like you can't do it. And it shows even like even going he's like just factoring just fact of being a gay couple, like not factoring like a mixed relationship and that being such a important issue like in the 40s and fifties, it's still that still would be a big thing even if she was would have been a woman. And I thought it could have been the same conversation, that would have been a girl and how that shows that kind of symbolism of it and that he's like i don't get that luxury so this isn't gonna be and i'm not gonna like let myself get hurt or whatever but then they have this cute little moment with reading those lines and i was just like i don't yeah. care what you guys call each other just like just don't break up don't stop seeing each other you guys are adorable oh but just henry wilson is just a character i just i can't wait to see what happens next with this guy because i'm terrified I feel you I feel you what about you Rob what were you thinking with all of that name change
1: and and all
2: yes so I like the relationship between um between uh Rock and Archie because Archie revealed they revealed that Archie hasn't even been charging him to to have those dates with him which means he's doing it because he likes it um which he said it's at the beginning of it's not to cut you off at the beginning of episode one when, when uh he
1: kind of brought him in he was like well you know, I might as well make money because I'm doing it for free anyway.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but I love the fact that he's got it. He's found a guy he like, and he's just he's still exploring, you know, seeing where this is going to go, because, of course, they try to have a conversation about it and it didn't go the right way. You know, and you get the, someone. He Archie displays the type of value that he has for uh, rock, which is not much at the point, but he left it open ended where they could possibly move to something greater. And then also, I like the transition from the whole uh, post-Coyotes conversation to now running Lions. That's some real cool LA stuff. Absolutely, Absolutely. (laughs) That's some really cool LA stuff. Um, But first, I want to talk about Mr. Wilson, Jim Parsons' character. He's my favorite character on the show so far. His introduction, and how he calls out Rock Hudson on everything. Everything. He said the way he switched. the way you switched into died, the, the I
0: writing. was just so, <laughs> <I was> like
1: <laughs> I mean he called him and me. I was like, who calls anyone out like this? Like, Whoa. <laughs> okay.
2: How could uh, how could Rock even be in any more denial after that? Like, why would he even hesitate? Like, yeah. no, this guy's called you out, he had you dead to rights, man.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so we know we can talk about this forever. So let's go ahead and get into some news and then our special segment. Connor, do you have any news? Any Did anything happen in the last
0: two hours that we need to know about from the last time that we Oh, family? my gosh. Oh. I, I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. So many things happened. I'm just kidding. Um, but fuzzle and fact trivia about the show is this is Darren Chris's and Ryan Murphy's third production together and projects, being the first Glee, then American Horror Story, and now this. So
2: oh, yeah, wow. it's clearly
0: a favorite. And they have good chemistry together, obviously, as they've created some great works being those three shows. They're like the Kenny Babyface and L.A. Reed of, of TV making at the moment. Uh, Rob, what do you
1: have for us in our special segment?
2: Yes. For, the, for my special segment, we, I will have the second installment of the AfterBuzz TV True Hollywood Story Trivia. Uh, once again, I said last episode that we're keeping points. Um, right now, the only person with points is uh, the Tyler Tyson for now for, uh, now, now, for now, for hopefully now. Hopefully Gunnar can get on the board. Um, <laughs> once again, I'll be asking three questions. This time I'll be asking three questions. Uh, each of them are worth different amounts of points. Um, one's worth one, one's worth two points, and one's worth three points. Um, so we'll go ahead and get into it. The first one is worth one point. Um, someone should get this one because you guys live in LA. <laughs> so which famous... Okay, so which famous director owns the New Beverly Theater in Los Angeles? I'll give you three choices. You have A, James Cameron, B, Quentin Tarantino, or C, Michael Bay. I'm gonna go Tarantino. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Oh gosh. <laughs> I was gonna be wrong because so I was going A. Gunner's on the board. And I almost and I was like,
0: I just heard Quentin Tarantino. I was just like, okay, I'm gonna trust my best friend because she's obsessed with logic, and logic is obsessed with Tarantino. So I'm like, I'm gonna trust that. So Emily, that was for you.
2: <laughs> good, good, good. All right, uh, so girl, you got two points. I got you. I, I wrote this down. Oh, excuse me, one point. That one, that one was worth one point because it was multiple choice. Uh, the second question, and I apologize, it's a little bit of a dark question, but hey, this is the AfterBuzz TV True Hollywood Stories trivia. Okay, <laughs> okay. so for two points. On August 19th, 2012, a famous director killed himself by jumping off the Vincent Thomas Bridge. Who was that director? And I'll give you a hint. His brother is also a famous director. I'll ask the question one more time. Give you guys a little <laughs> bit more time to think. Once again. don't everyone jump in at once. <laughs> August nineteenth, twenty twelve, a famous director, Hollywood director, killed himself by jumping off the Vincent Thomas Bridge. Who was that director? This time, I'll give you two hints.
1: I know the Just answer. Brother...
2: Oh, okay. Uh-oh.
1: Producer Ryan,
2: go ahead, coming Ryan. Who, hot. Who, who is Ryan? There? Coming in hot. And did you um, use
1: Google? I'm going to build it up. I'm going to build it up. I did not use Google. I know the answer to this. Oh, okay. Um He's the brother of one... He's the brother of another famous filmmaker who made Alien, Blade Runner, Gladiator. That's Ridley Scott. The man who jumped off, though, is Tony Scott, director oh, of... Man. Am I right
0: or wrong? Top Gun. Top Gun. Tony Scott. Wow. Did not know Shout that. Shout out to I Top Gun. I'll straight up. I didn't know out of those things you could say those things right now and i'd be like who i'm still so bad with directors and producers so yeah well this is and, producer and ryan signing back off
2: thanks ryan best producer, got,
0: rather, best producer
2: i threw that question in there because this episode you know we were going over suicide you know peg jumped mm. off of the hollywood right. sign and right. you know archie's trying to get it made and he does he does get it made and and you know there's some light being brought to that you know that it's a common
1: thread in this uh in this entertainment business. It can be a very, very, very dark business.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't matter who I you are. See. Tony Scott directed Top Gun. That's like one of the most famous movies of all time.
1: But look hey, how yeah, look how popular and beloved. Like I loved Robin Williams. And look what happened. Like it's exactly. it's just a common thread. It happens, unfortunately.
2: It it's sad. Mm-hmm. Um but we have to move on to the next question which is a happier one uh very happy (laughs) so this one is for three points three points all right so on january 1st new year's day 2017 the letters on the hollywood sign were illegally changed by an artist what did the sign say after he changed the letters hollywood
1: (laughs) Uh uh-uh, uh, Dolly, <laughs> we both said it. We both, yeah. we had it. Right, I blurted it out. We both said it.
2: You guys both said it, so you guys will get but one point of Pete. It was worth it, was worth a three. Ooh. Okay. Okay, so this one was worth three points. Hmm.
1: Why can't we both just get three points.
2: We both, are yeah, we get, get both three points. You know what? I'm feeling generous. Both of you oh. get three points. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you Yay. get three points, guys. I did not know it was legally changed. I saw the, the
0: joke or whatever on social media, and I thought it was just, like, somebody, like, edited it or whatever. And then I, like, saw someone did a throwback. of like, I will never forget waking up at 7 a.m. to go see this to make sure I saw it before it got taken down. And I was like, wait, that really happened? That was epic. That was well, epic. Let, yeah.
2: let me give you a little context inside that. This guy was an art student, and he changed it for an art piece. Um, he turned himself in uh, on the 10th. And since he didn't really break anything, they only charge him with trespassing. Good.
1: Yeah, I remember when that happened.
2: Yeah.
1: I thought it was dope, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. My Twitter Twitter, broke.
2: I remember Steve-O took a picture of it like super quick. He took like a selfie under it.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I love this. Can we just do this game all the time? Just bump the show. Let's just just do tricks. Why not? (laughs) All right. So real quick, I know we're coming up to the end of the show. So let's go ahead and get into our predictions. So Gunnar, I'm going to start with you. What are your predictions for
0: episode three? Well, thanks for this to this trivia game, it gave my TV. prediction with question two. Prediction. And since I'm, so I have a weird thing with like theme songs is that I always watch it on the first episode and then I'm, it like I'm streaming it and on the very last episode I'll watch it again. But the rest of the time I always skip it because I'm going to get into the show. But if you've watched the theme song, you see that they climb it and since this movie is not mm-hmm. pegged, I mean, off of it, I think the end of the series season, somebody's going to jump, jump off that um, Hollywood sign. Oh,
1: okay. Like in the, I think in the opening in,
0: credits. Like, well, not in the opening credit, Yeah, I think, but I think someone at the end of the season is going to jump off the commit suicide because for whatever reason, maybe it's a, like a bad reason or they're overwhelmed, but, well, I mean, there's not a good reason to jump off the Hollywood sign. But that's why I think it's going to be, it's a big, like, metaphor for it. It's going to come, like, full circle type thing. So. Okay.
2: Like, and, what about you yeah i i'm i'm with gunner uh somebody is somebody's gonna die from this <laughs> they're, they're showing it too much so someone someone is gonna die that's Chekhov's gun you know you show that gun in a frame you have mm-hmm. to do with it, do something with it in another frame um i one thing i think that's gonna happen i do think ernie's gonna get arrested for some reason oh. get oh. i think right. that whole gas that the service station mm-hmm. thing is going to go up in flames um and i think a lot of people are going to be implemented and we're going to see not only people being discriminated against you know because of the color mm. of the skin but now we're going to start to see people being discriminated against because they are gay and uh, i think we're going to explore some of that because this was the the 40s 50s and once again that wasn't cool back then and we're going to show it
1: yeah i i I'm really... So my issue with predictions is that it's hard for me to say and then be wrong because I hate being wrong, so I almost (laughs) don't like to give uh, my predictions, but I will say this. I think, for some reason, I am watching um, Claire Woods. I mentioned her before we even got on this chat. Uh, I'm watching her. For the the audience, that's the woman, that the blonde, that, that kind of the rival of Camille, the Black actress. I just, for some reason she just kind of gives me a by any means necessary i don't care whose neck mm-hmm. i have to step on in my stiletto heel i am going to the top and i just don't i just feel like she's up to something so i think that she's just going to be a troublemaker amongst this group and i'm low key excited to see what type of trouble she creates for for everyone so that's kind of my prediction um but Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We have to go, but why don't you guys tell them where they can follow you on social media? Rob, let's start with you this time.
2: Yes, you can find me on Instagram, not Twitter, Instagram, at Rob Steele. That's R-O-B-S-T-E-L-E-L-O.
0: And you can find me, guys, on Twitter and Instagram, at Thomas And Ryan, where can we find you at, producer?
2: You can
1: follow me at Ryan Nelson on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, there you go. I'm going to go follow him right now. And, of course, you can get your entire life following me on all social media at The Tyler Tyson. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button. Give us a like. And, of course, our five stars if you're listening on any of the streaming uh, services. And please follow TV on Instagram and Twitter as well. And we'll see, y'all see you all Sunday. Peace.